One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited. This is our year-end show. Uh, and we booked a, a really, really uh, special guest uh, for today's show. So normally I, I, I like to talk about what happened during the week and just kind of uh, chit chat with you guys a little bit. But uh, so excited about the guest. I, I, I want to dive right in. This gentleman is a national based singer songwriter whose catalog of music runs the gamut from soul infused pop to tearjerker folk balladry. His music's been featured in shows like Parenthood, Friday Night Lights, Felicity, Brothers and Sisters. Uh, he was on Last Call uh, with, with Carl. Carson Daly is a, is a frequent member of the house band. Uh, and then in 2012, took third place on NBC's The Voice, which got him a record deal with uh, with Coach Adam Levine. And today's a special day because he dropped a new single. So let's bring him on to the show. How you doing, Tony Luca? Ah, man, I'm doing well. Thanks for the, the kind words. Oh, please, man. You're, you're so excited to have you, man. You know, we, we started to think um, – you know, where are we going to do a year end show? But when, when our schedules kind of aligned, it was like, man, we got to, we got to blow it out. And then I feel blessed that you, you dropped the song only for me and my listeners, really. You just, <laughs> just, you know, you knew you were, you, you wanted to give me a Christmas gift. And that was the gift was a new song. Talk about the new song. Yeah, man. Well, the new song is the first of a handful of, uh, of recordings that I'm putting out. It's basically an, an EP, like a five song collection that I'm, I'm going to parse out one song at a time. Uh, these are solo acoustic recordings, basically, just me and the guitar. A um, couple of harm, harmony overdubs uh, throughout, but otherwise, it's, it's just it's a naked recording. And um, these were songs that, for whatever reason, didn't make you know for one reason or another didn't quite make the cut of the final uh, of the the full length album that I put out earlier this year. And so I just had some leftover tunes that I've been playing out live. People dig them, and I'm like, yeah. I recorded them. They came out real nice, and I said, "Let's just let's put these out and give folks something to listen to." And and uh, that's that's what we did. We decided to get started here at the end of the year and uh, trickle these out for the next uh, two or three months, I guess. Uh, culminating with a five-song EP that I'll release in the spring as a physical thing that you can purchase as an entire unit with a, maybe a bonus song on there or something. But, uh, you know, really we're just trying to get folks to kind of tune in over on Spotify and it was put these out just as an idea to sort of get my fans to migrate uh, over to Spotify, which is where kind of everybody seems to be hanging out these days and get people on the streaming platforms. Well, and, and we're going to get into that during the show is like, I want to get into some of the, for, for our listeners, some of the business things that they, they don't necessarily know, uh, like, you know, iTunes versus Spotify and, and, uh, uh, just, you know, different things like that. We want to hear about your shows and that kind of stuff. But uh, for those of you uh, in my audience that may not have heard me talk about Tony before, understand Tony uh, was with us at MMC 30. Um, but, you know, Tony, you've got how many EPs out now? I mean, I, I lost count of how many songs you've released, but. Well, yeah, man, I've, I've put out uh, 10 full length albums. Uh, there's been a handful of EPs throughout the year, you know, the, the, the shorter four or five to six song collections that I put out occasionally as well. 
Uh, and then like I have uh, three, I think two or three DVDs now as well, back when that was kind of a thing as well. <laughs> any, any media you can. But the, the thing that strikes me about you as an artist, and you know, you and I have had this conversation a few times, but I've literally seen you in front of 4,000 people and I've seen you in front of four. And uh, we, we won't talk about that time. But it, the, the, the point being, <laughs> you, you just ooze authenticity on stage. And I actually I kind of dig it when it's a smaller crowd because I feel like it, we get more of you. But I've seen you play in, in all different types of arenas and all different types of clubs and all different types of areas. But your authenticity is always on point. That's what always has drawn me to, be, to become a huge fan of your work. Well, dude, thank you so much, man. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like there's been times when, um, you know, I, I, a lot of that I, I honestly feel comes just from having been at this for so long that, you know, you can only kind of pretend or, or feign enthusiasm or, or pretend to be more uh, – charismatic than you really are before people start to kind of see through it and before it just gets it gets exhausting you know like being more it, it's a, it takes a lot of work just to be yourself you know and show up and do the work and connect with people let alone when you're putting on some sort of uh you know image on top of that that isn't entirely sustainable or something you you, you want to pretend to, to t- take part in each time and so, and you've had to pivot quite a bit, right? In fact, that's that's one of your platforms. But you know, when you, when you came out early, they were trying to make you more of a pop person. But you've got a really old soul when it comes to music. Is that fair to say? Yeah, man, and and uh, for sure, I I feel like uh, when I first, actually when I made my first album, I I had you know all my friends uh, post Mickey Mouse Club. I had friends that were getting out there and really occupying the pop lane quite handily you know they, yeah. they had it they had it covered and uh, and so i was kind of more like gonna venture forth on the path less traveled maybe and so i was really into some more adult music and and kind of the, the adult contemporary even wave jazz stuff way too early you know back in the in the early mid 90s and so when i made my record it was very much more like uh sting dream of the blue turtles or you know it was it was it was kind of heady and jazzy it had some jazz influence to it and the lyrics were really sort of flowery and esoteric and the songs were four and five and six minutes long and and I'm really off on the deep end trying to be like this mature artist and then I over the years I've kind of figured out that wasn't really selling a ton of records and then found, my way, <laughs> found my way back closer to the, the to, to the pop lane but uh but yeah man I've given it I've, I've tried it all and just just you know uh out of curiosity out of uh interest my interests have changed over the years and so my tastes have changed and I've tried to make music that reflects that uh you, know, you got to try to stay fresh and, and, and excited and inspired along the way and um you know, I, it, it just, and the, the, the commercial viability sort of comes and goes, it, it waxes and wanes, but, uh, but yeah, through it all, man, I've really just tried to, to maintain some aspect of quote unquote being myself. Well, we see that too. We, we actually got to see a little bit of a front lane, you know, uh, front row seat in that if you watch like, uh, friends of yours, Justin and JC, you know, they had a certain vibe that they did in NSYNC, but when they got to go out on their own and really explore it, Right. It was almost like Justin was more drawn to Michael Jackson type vibe where, where JC was drawn more to kind of Prince in that area. Um, For sure. Right. But, but, but that was them expressing themselves. So I think you've got to go through those evolutions to really find 
where you're at. But today it seems like you're making music that you just really enjoy, not necessarily for, uh, obviously we want it consumed, but being really proud of, of, of where, where you're going with the music. Is that, is that right? For sure, man. You know, I've, I've just more times than not, I learn, I've, I've learned that, uh, the, the opportunities I get to sit down and play music and connect with people, whether it's like you said, in front of four people or 400 people in a club somewhere or a venue, uh, the, the, the way it works best for me is with me and a guitar. So I'm not going to try to write something that's super pop heavy, you know, musically. If at the end of the day, my, my best foot forward is playing it with an acoustic guitar. So a lot of the stuff that I write now, uh, holds up campfire style, you know, I mean, I can still deliver it on a bigger stage to a lot of people, but, but through and through, I, I, I've just become really, really taken ownership of the storyteller aspect of what I do and, and the, the, the roots music, the Americana, you know, um, sort of singer songwriter thing. That's, that's definitely where I, I, I land more times than not. And I want to urge the the audience. Obviously, go buy the the music, but you've got to catch Tony live. I just yeah. You know, there's a lot of songs that you do, Tony, that I love. I love listening to them. But but when I hear you do it live, it's just such a different vibe, and and it just comes all. It's I don't know. Like we we need to do a live album for you, so people really just get that experience of what it's like to out there, or they can just come out and see you. Right. Either way, they got to see you live, dude. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And and I did. I put a record out. I've got a live record out there uh, on on the in, you know iTunes, and I believe it's on Spotify. It's called Live at, Live at Jam and Java, which is one of my favorite venues in the country, up in Vienna, Virginia. And uh, yeah, I took I had a power trio at the time, which was really cool, a lot of fun. And we were in the middle of a tour, and really kind of firing on all cylinders, and had a pretty great show. And it, everything got recorded, and I didn't break any strings, and nobody laid any you know, clams out there. It was a pretty, <laughs> pretty solid, solid thing. So we're like, you know what, man, let's put this out. So we put it out and, uh, and, and, and I feel like there's a, yeah, there's an energy to it that, that isn't on the record, but even that a live recording isn't the same as the energy of a room when you're playing live, you know, it's that's true. Something's something gets lost in translation, man. It's so weird. I think, well, again, just hearing it, like, like my one of my favorite venues to watch is Red Rock Canyon, but it's the it's the way the music vibrates in that place. You know what I mean? Right, it, it, right. There's just additional energy that comes, uh, yeah. and purity of sound for sure. Mm-hmm. So we want to get into. I, I'd like to get into some of the business side uh, of things and and really kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, especially for some fans that may be you know listening and that kind of stuff. Some of these choices that you have to make. Uh, we're going to do all this after a break, though. But uh, just to kind of lead into it. Um, you know, how do you choose to release a song? What are those options and things that you have to think through? What are some of the hidden gotchas? Um, because the, the music industry has changed so drastically over the last really 10 years. Um, you yeah. know, you've, you've got to change a lot of rules. So we're going to talk about all of that when we come back from break. You're listening to Tony Luca and Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? 
R Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back this Friday afternoon with singer-songwriter Tony Luca. And Tony, fun fact, the uh, music that we were just listening to coming back through is uh, uh, part of uh, the party. Uh, when we try to put them back together. So, um, is that what that is? That yeah. the theme, it's a theme music courtesy of the pate. It is part, well, you know, I had to find something that, uh, that, that, that I could play that I didn't have to pay royalties for. And I said, well, I've already paid a quarter <laughs> of a million for that. I might as well use it. Right. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> so that's a uh, shout out to Chase and, and Damon, Joan, the whole crew, right? Didi. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so brothers and sisters to you for sure. Oh, um, but coming back, so let, but let's get into the business, right? Cause this is not an easy business. And, and, you know, you've got these people out there right now that think that they're going to become these mega stars cause they can sing. Um, and at, at the same time, there's so many aspects of the business. A lot of people don't know. So what are some of those, you know, one or two gotchas and, and why did you choose to, to, to drip out, right? The EP versus releasing it and all that kind of stuff. T- just talk us through some of the business stuff. Yeah, man. You know, I've been, been at it a long time and, and uh, it went from the early days of, you know, back at the beginning of, you know, my website, TonyLuca.com is 20, one years old you know like in 98 i started my had my own domain and i didn't realize what a big deal that was until years went by and i was like oh man i scored (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh you know like i used to literally have people you know you could download and print out a form from my website uh write me a check and fold it up in this form that you filled out with what you wanted me to sell you and they would send it to my p.o box and i would go with my bike my mailbag (laughs) to my p.o box this sounds like 19 
1950s stuff, right? And I would go back to my shed. I had this little work shed out back my house, and I had a, like this big armoire filled with all my CDs and T-shirts and stuff. And so I would like process the orders myself, tuck them in these padded envelopes, autograph the back, and literally fill out the you know put their address on there, and then put it get back on my bike with my mailbag over to the PO box or back to the post office and mail these things out. And like this is all way be- this is before PayPal, this is before Venmo, yeah. this is before online stuff. So yeah, man. I mean, that was the beginning of like you know the, my lemonade stand. You know, my selling CDs <laughs> at the back of my car. Uh, things have certainly changed, you know. And and with the advent of TuneCore and CD Baby and all these online platforms that really brought the DIY thing to uh, to light, and, and that coupled with everybody being able to sort of record themselves on Pro Tools or GarageBand or whatever they're doing at home to make quality, you know, radio ready sounding records, and now next thing you know, everyone's making music, everyone's putting it out, and you got to be able to like sell the stuff and make some noise. Um, you know, for a while there, iTunes was a good venue for me. It was a good avenue. I would put a record out, I'd promote it via Twitter. Um, What's that? Sorry. Okay, yeah. Sorry, man. Let me uh, let me get this going. I'm just trying to get my mic squared, guys. I'm sorry. Apology. Um, no worries. But uh, yeah, um, I I I would say um, you know the the iTunes thing was cool. I would promote on Twitter and 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 MySpace and Facebook and stuff and let people know I've got music out there. And people would uh, people would pick it up. They would snatch it up, and and I might poke on to like, you know, the top ten of the singer songwriter genre for the day, or maybe even get to number one for a day or two, and that would mean that there might be some money coming in. Uh, but then it would it would fade away, and and you get replaced by James Taylor and Simon and Garfunkel and Glenn Mitchell <laughs> and Tracy Chapman. Uh, nowadays, what's happening is the streaming thing took over fairly quickly. It seems now, looking back, and people are like, "Well, how much do you get paid on Spotify?" And what people are having to understand is that the Spotify thing is it's a it's a mental shift, and, and it's really like it's a super paradigm shift, really, in that it's no longer about the money Money you're making from the music being streamed uh, as much as it is the presence that you have by by streaming you know um, it, it's hard for people to sort of quantify and get their heads around the way that, that, that the money works on Spotify everyone looks at Spotify and says the math isn't there and it's it's a, it's a it, you know that the artists are getting the shaft or they're getting the you know the the, the short end of the stick but it really is if you it's kind of like if you could go ahead and monetize every time uh, living on a prayer gets played on the radio they're not making a ton of money every time that song gets played on the radio but it gets played millions of times. Uh, a, a year and so they're making the royalties on the, that number of times a year well now you've got artists that are unknown artists that are out there getting hundreds of thousands if not millions of 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 streams a year that are making a few thousand dollars you know tens of thousands of dollars a year in streaming revenue uh Basically, without you know, without having spent all that money on a radio campaign or a marketing campaign, they're just they've learned how to make music that people want to hear on Spotify, and now people are streaming. Uh, but more importantly, from all of that, is is that. 
these artists now have careers where they can go play shows and sell tickets and sell merchandise and do better off on the back end versus the actual sale of the music itself. And so people are having a hard time kind of coming to terms with that, except the artists that are profiting from it. They picked up what Spotify was putting down, and now they're, they're going full bore on it. Um, I uh, am trying to sort of get my fans who kind of grew up in that post, you know, CD era of like, what do we do now, you know, and iTunes versus, uh, you know, Pandora, where do they get their music? How do you reach these people? And so now uh, we decided to put out this new EP one song at a time to try and get people to uh, to, to slowly, one song at a time, uh, make their way over to Spotify to start learning how to use the platform a little more. Um, and it, sure, it's still available at Amazon and still available at iTunes and Apple Music, but uh, but basically by encouraging folks to pre-save on Spotify and and share it and playlist it and, and make use of it over there, it, it helps me when it comes to trying to make uh, make waves over at the, uh, at Spotify and get my music playlisted and uh, and 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 streamed. And so, I mean, if we look at the business aspect, the, the, the dollars and cents in the CD world or the record world, even, you know, prior to that, uh, there was the production cost, there was the materials that went to it, there was the company that actually did the pressing and artwork and all that other stuff. So, I mean, quite frankly, you, you buy a CD for 10 bucks and, and, you know, pennies on the dollar are still going to the artist at that point. Right. So I can see how the math works out in terms of, of Spotify and, and, and royalties. It, it basically yeah. took the radio format and and monetized it for the, the web, except that we have personal selection. Right. Versus the radio, you just kind of you, the DJs in control. We're, we're now the DJs. Um, exactly. And so it's very cool. As a matter of fact, you and I you and I talked about, um, you know, the interview topics and you said, you know, uh, you wanted to talk about the new EP and right here in the single release strategy, that's some of the things we want to talk about, but you didn't tell me uh, that you were dropping the song today. And um, so I go to Spotify every Friday and I have two playlists. One's new music Friday. The other one's release radar. And yours was the number one song on my release radar this morning when I, when I popped it open <laughs> and I was like, he didn't even tell me I'm talking to the guy today. He didn't even tell me. But, but the point being is that's where I find, all of my new music and new artists is through release radar and Spotify, you know, uses all their algorithms and figures out what it is that I like. And for some reason they think I like you. So they made you number one on my release radar today. So that, that, that was, <laughs> that, that was good stuff. But the, the point being is, is that discovery Avenue is so huge in the Spotify world. It really is. And I think that that's how they're making it work, you know, and, and, uh, it's an uphill climb and make no mistake. It, it's, it really is hard because, you know, a lot of these, uh, editorial, uh, playlists that Spotify puts together, you know, that, that like they're each, each, each spot on a playlist is so highly coveted that artists labels, you know, everyone's trying to find the curators of these lists. And I know someone's got to be making like a really interesting documentary on this, you know, because it really is, we're going to look back on this season of, of, uh, of music and, and be like, wow, that was really going on. And no one was kind of aware of it because it's like the wild West right now <laughs> you, know, you have, but it's an interesting version of it. You know, you have these, these playlist curators that, that, 
kind of can't be reached in a way, you know, where, and I, I know so little about it, but I know that like it, it, it there's, 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 um, there's tastemakers out there and, and the folks at Spotify, you know, they, they, they know who to, who, to, who's, who's doing it. They know how to make yeah. it happen. They know how to, how to get music out there that people really want to tune into and listen to. It's so as we, as we look at that, even as a, as a format, um, you know, if you look at books, if you look at music, it, it, you know, what happened with YouTube, really, you know, take Justin Bieber for that matter. But, it, it, you know, when when I was trying to sell my first book, the first thing I had to prove to them is that I was going to get it in front of people. And so right. the interesting thing around Spotify and YouTube is you can say, well, I've already got X amount of fans. Um, and it starts to take a lot of the guesswork out, especially for the commoditized versions of, of things that you're going after. So look, I already got, you know, 50,000 people are going to buy whatever it is that, that I drop. Uh, I'm trying to reach more. And so it's, it's interesting uh, to, to see that we can actually prove that we're popular in order to become more popular, I guess, is, is the way to say it. Yeah, for sure, man. And then that's the thing is like, I, I, I get to know how people are coming to know my music by, um, by when I, when I play shows and people show up to my shows and they're all, you know, um, letting me know just just that you know hey man your 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 music always pops up in my window you know like people you know are not my window but but spotify is putting me on putting you on my uh discover radar and it's like well that's cool all right <laughs> then, then cool then you're meant to be here at this show <laughs> thanks for coming out so we're going to take a break here in a second but i want to kind of kind of set you up for the for the next segment i'd love to hear um as, as an artist, what some of those kind of fan moments, you know, feel like. So for instance, um, one of the first times you realized people were singing along with your, with your music, it's always a big moment for an artist. Um, so not only did they come out to see you, but they, they memorized everything that you do. Um, mm. and really want to kind of get into some of those moments and, and maybe, you know, one or two fan encounters that are, that are some of your favorites. So we're going to do that when we come back after the break, we're talking to Tony Luca. You're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back chatting with uh, Tony Luca, uh, talking about new singles, talking about uh, stage experience and just the business itself. But I, I did want to get into kind of that that fan experience. Uh, you know, I had uh, uh, Dale Gutbaldo and Chase Hampton on the show. Um, really, I think it was like the week after, two weeks after MMC and just uh, kind of a show for us to reflect on that fan experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, talk to me about, you know, some of those kind of like some of the coolest moments you've had just doing this in, 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 you know, ways people have, have touched you back kind of. Well, yeah, man, you know, like we didn't, uh, it's crazy. Uh, looking back on like the whole mouse club thing, when we did our spinoff album, the MMC thing, and we went out on the road and played shows of, in essence, original music, uh, songs that had never been out in the world before until we recorded and released them. Uh, and then we would go play these shows on the weekends and people would like flock to these shows and they would, they would sing the songs back to us. And it, it, it felt, um, it felt awesome, but it was also like just the next step from what we did on the show where we were covering other people's music and people were singing the lyrics back to us. It just kind of felt like the next consequential step to what we had already known. It wasn't until like years later and still even to this day when I would get to play a show, you know, say in New York or LA or somewhere and, uh, and I'll play a song like death of me off of Canyon songs or pretty things from come around again. And, and, uh, I'll start playing the first verse and people will just, the whole room will just start singing the song. And, and it's just like, you just, I, I tend to like hit my, my uh, my tuner pedal which mutes my guitar and i step away from the microphone and i just i just listen <laughs> i just play my guitar completely unplugged in the room and and just like it, that will never get old that could yeah. never possibly ever get old you know to be like wow man this is this is that's just when you know what you have done has touched people, man. And that, uh, that's really like, again, when you're younger, it, you, don't, you don't think of it as touching people. You think of it as like, hey, these people like what I do and they think I'm cool and yeah. <laughs> but when you get older and you're really out there like banging your head against the wall so many days, you know, you're just trying to like make a dent and have some kind of impact. Then you go play a show where people sing your music back to you. You just, you know, it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> and uh, and this, this, this feels like I'm doing what I should be doing. You know, it's, uh, it, it, that is a special thing. And not only that, people don't understand how cool it sounds coming back to that focal point of the stage, right? It's just, just the way the acoustics work. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, what about, um, you know, a letter that you got or somebody that reached out to you that just, it just something that, that you won't forget any, any of those types of stories? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some, some funny ones, some stuff, you know, <laughs> was, was, you know stuff that we'll say for the memoir, uh, <laughs> you know, some, some, some crazy fan, like super fans out there, some early, <laughs> well, let's, let's, like, we'll steer clear of those stories yeah, at this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, man, there's, there's been, a, there's been quite a few over the years. There's been a lot of, of people that will just, uh, fans that will reach out, um, through any of the various social media platforms and, 
and uh, and they'll just like just drop in to say, hey, you know, um, your music helped me through a really hard time. Um, I, I lost my mom to cancer, and she would listen to your music while she was having her chemo treatments, and like I can't even begin to get my head around you know accompanying my mom to her chemo treatments let alone like just how important and priceless and precious that time is let alone to think that that my music matters enough to someone in their life that that's that they would want me there you know yeah that, but that is that's the heavy stuff man that's when you're just like wow okay this is this is so much bigger than what me and my little ego set out to accomplish when I started trying to play songs for people, you know, this is, uh, this is powerful, man. And, and then, you know, and, and then as you, as you develop your craft from there on out, you start to like really own, own that responsibility and, and cherish that blessing, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could say like this, but there was like one singular thing, but, uh, but by and large, man, I, I, I have been blessed to get quite a few of those little reminders over the years. And I'm, I'm grateful for each one. Yeah, I, I've not done anything near the the scale that you have, but you know, I, I'll get an email from time to time from a you know speech I did three years ago, and you know, and they say you know two years ago you were here and and you said this and whatever that is, it it is a humbling feeling just to take a step back and go, wow, I really do have an impact on people. Um, yeah. When did you start to really recognize though that that? Uh, you said something really beautiful just a second ago that, that you didn't realize the music was really touching people that, that not, not in your early age. When did you start to really become aware of that? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think it was, um, you know, like uh, a handful of years into my, my, my pursuit, my career of, of making records and writing songs and, and playing, you know, I, um, I started to write songs about people in my life, circumstances in my life, specific things, specific people. And then I would, uh, like I remember writing a song once uh, um, about my sister and I, who after high school, we kind of parted ways. I, I moved out west to California. She stayed in Michigan and we were just bound to see much less of each other. And even starting in like, you know, when I was 15, we started to see much less of each other because I was constantly coming and going to do the mouse club. But, um, but once I moved out to California and was out there for a couple of years, I had come home at one point and I, and I wanted to play her this song, you know, just because I thought she would be proud of me, you know, like just, Hey, check out, this is what I'm doing. Check out what I'm doing. And I, and I played the song, not, haphazardly or carelessly but just more so like i was out to just perform it for her and show her what i'm up to and she she listened to it and, and it was about her and i barely made it through the song before both of us were like sobbing and wow. and 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 she just she just was so moved by it and and then i i was too in return and realized like whoa this is this is a very big uh, gas pedal, <laughs> you know. This is a yeah. this, is, this is a big trigger, you know. Like this is you got to use this thing with care. And wow, okay. That literally from that time on, I realized like, okay, I can't just be throwing these sentiments around, you know, all willy nilly. Like uh, there's the it's worth it to kind of take the time and, and understand not just how it feels to get it off your chest, but imagine being you know the person with, in the other set of shoes on the receiving end of it. You know how 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 are they going to take it? How how is it going to be received by them and um you know let alone all of the fans and people out there that have heard my music 
and have taken it to have interpreted it their own way and like made their own sense out of it. Uh, and, and you know, that, that, uh, have blown me away by like, whoa, I didn't mean that at all, but that's what you got out of it. Okay. That's cool too. Shoot, man. Look at me go. <laughs> you know? I, I'm trying to think of the, the song title. Cause I can, I can remember the first time I heard the song, um, but the, there's a lyric smells like Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a song called Anchored. Anchored, that's it. So when I first heard you lay that down, though, I was like, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about because <laughs> there's <laughs> there's just something different in L.A., right? It just – L.A. LA – you know, we had a song, uh, the, the party uh, that we did L.A. In, in, um, in fact, the little groove that we put into it, uh, Fergie, Fergie dropped something like three weeks after we were done recording it, which kind of already made it irrelevant. Um, but yeah, there's so many songs about LA right now, uh, out and about, but, um, there's that one, uh, move, not moving on, uh, uh, wasted for me is, is always just been my go-to tune. Like there's nothing better for me walking through an airport and listening to wasted. I don't know what it is. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's got a, it's got a cool groove to it, man, for sure. Well, yeah. When you do the, the say, say portion, but still, um, you know, you and I, we, we participate in a couple of other things. And so we got to spend some time with other friends and just kind of discuss, you know, some more personal details, but music has always been, um, a, a trigger for my mood. Like I have playlists for when I'm ticked off a playlist when, when I'm super happy and want to be creative playlists when I need to be pulled out of a funk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so music is just, I, of all the talents that are out there, I, I, I don't wish I could slam dunk a basketball. I don't wish I could throw a football and, and, and play professional sports. I've always admired um, birthing music, right? Not, not even the people that can just play it well. You know, it's, it's when somebody says a lyric or a line that just makes you go, I just felt that. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. That's exactly what I needed to hear right now. And, and I think it's one of the greatest talents on earth. It's as simple as that. Well, and I tell you, what's interesting is that I, I used to, it took me a lot of years to figure it out about how um, the, I used to try to be real broad with my imagery and my, my ideas and, um, you know, universal and just sweeping and 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 then I think it was like either Bob Dylan or someone re- talking about Bob Dylan about how uh, ironically the more specific you are with your detail the more universal your appeal like you don't have to have ever have sat in traffic on the 405 freeway but if you heard that in a song in regard to it being a horrible thing you would equate it to being in traffic on 65 in Birmingham or I4 in Orlando, you know, somehow you would, you would, you would make your own version of it. And then someday down the line, you're going to wind up in traffic on the 405 and you'd be like, Oh my God, this is what he was talking about. (laughs) Or you're going to, you're going to be in Los Angeles in the wintertime and you're going to be like, God, that's what he's talking about. That's pretty yeah. interesting smell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's going it's to make fireworks go off, you know, and, and you know, uh, you, you can't uh, underestimate the listener. You can't, you can't uh, rob the listener of, uh, of their, their ability to interpret and, and internalize and personalize what you're saying. You know, it's, it's a beautiful art form. 
I, I think uh, the people in New Jersey can relate to how it smells in Los Angeles. So it's just <laughs> literally when you cross the bridge, dude, as soon as you cross the bridge, sometimes stereotypes are just true. That's all there is to it. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. um, <laughs> but we're not going to go there. Sorry, Jersey fans. We're just sorry. Yeah. Cheers. The dirty cheers. <laughs> You know, one of the things that's always impressed me about you too, Tony, is, is, I mean, you're, you're an avid reader and you've gotten a lot, you've gotten a lot deeper in the things that you've, you've kind of delved into. And I think that translates to your music very well as well. But what are some of those kind of favorite books or, or hobbies or things that you like to get into? Oh man. Yeah. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite books, I probably bring this book up in conversation, uh, discussions, interviews, whatever, at least once a month. It's totally crazy, but uh, it, it's a book by Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Um, called Cat's Cradle. And I read this book every three to five years just to refresh on how dense and wonderful that book is. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's a totally fun ride. You can read it on a, on a flight. It's not a big book. It's not a long one, but it's uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, and in, in this book, they talk about um, – it's, it's kind of a – pseudo-fiction tale. It starts off rooted in history and then it goes up on this wild goose chase and I'll spare you the, the, long, the long form. But there's this idea in the book about uh, two, two parallel concepts of our human existence. One is the Karas, K-A-R-A-S-S, and the other is the Grand Falloon. And the Grand Falloon is like that connectivity that we have where like you're uh, an Indiana Hoosiers uh, alum, you go into a bar, you see someone with a Hoosier sweater on, you're like, hey bro, and you guys are in like Alaska. You're like, oh, there's a Hoosier, 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 what's up, man? You guys like, you know each other somehow, but you don't know each other at all. And but like still there's like this arbitrary randomness that makes you belong to one another. Then the caress are the people in our lives that we that intersect in like the spider web of our experience here. That without that person, you would not have gone on to the next meaningful chapter of your life. You would the people that help you take a right when you could have gone left, that, that sort of more deeper, meaningful thing. So I've always got a kick out of those two concepts. And when I see them in real life play out, it's like, that's what Kurt Vonnegut was talking about. I love it. <laughs> yeah, It's good. It is good stuff. I, I have read that, but uh, there, there's actually a, a whole science behind the wanting to belong. Why you can be... Uh, why you can be in Alaska and bump into somebody with an Indiana sweatshirt and feel like you know each other. Right. Um, But uh, there's a a science of persuasion behind that. Uh Uh, And it's, it's, we like people who like us or or are like (laughs) us. Exactly. And so because we share the same interests, then we're going to like each other. Simple as that. So we're going to take one final break right here. We'll be right back with Tony Luca. We're going to ask him the question we ask all of our guests is what is some of the best advice he's ever received? We also want to find out uh, about shows and that kind of stuff that's coming up where you can go see Tony for yourself. So we're going to take a break right here. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. 
Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the final segment of the Work-Life Balance, talking with singer-songwriter Tony Luca. And, you know, Tony, can, we have a lot of, uh, of people or fans of the show that are in the Maxwell team with me. So we're, we're happy to announce the, that you've just joined us uh, in that endeavor. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to just, <laughs> just getting in there. There's so much wonderful uh, things to learn, so many wonderful things to learn, and, and uh, uh, what a great in- impact that's, that's bound to have. And so for those of you attending IMC in March, uh, you can come find us, and, and it'll be Tony's first experience. So we'll, we'll welcome him to the family and to the team and indoctrinate him uh, as we should. We'll see if we can't get him on stage and sing in front of everybody, too. But that's, that's a side thing. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one-night-only concert at the, uh, <laughs> at the Marriott in Orlando. Um, but uh, so talk to me. Uh, just tell the fans how to, how to find your music, how to get to you, what shows are coming up. Just, just the good stuff. Yeah, man. TonyLuca.com, L-U-C-C-A.com is alive and well. I believe there's a splash page currently on there now that if you go to TonyLuca.com, it, you, it will uh, give you the option to check out the 2020 by request tour uh, is what I'm doing. Basically, this whole next year, I've decided to to uh, dub all of my tour efforts uh, the 2020 by request retrospective tour sounds a little crazy but what i'm doing is trying to utilize facebook and social media to generate engagement with fans to get them online let me know what show you're coming to post your requests and things you want and dedications uh and and ideally i go out and play each show each night uh purely by request and we'll do some things in house obviously for people in in real time that want uh that requests honored but uh yeah man i'm blowing the dust off of like 20 years of record making <laughs> going through my whole catalog gonna relearn some songs and 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 go go back over some things and basically try to make my whole uh catalog available to fans for request um because a lot of times i get out and play shows people request a song from like one of my first or two or three albums i'm like uh yeah i don't really know how that one goes anymore they're like you wrote it i'm like yeah but i haven't played it in about 15 years you know, so I, I i'm done with that excuse for 2020 and i'm gonna give folks what they what they want and play the classics 
That's awesome, dude. That sounds like a that sounds like a great time. Where where are you doing that? What are some of the cities you're going to do that in? So yeah, some of the cities I'm, I'm going to be hitting up uh, Boston and New York, uh, Philly, Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm, I'm announcing a whole new crop of dates here uh, after the new year. We're looking at I'm um, uh, doing dates in uh, March, April, and May, going through the Midwest again. Uh, Indiana, Chicago, Michigan, both Spring Lake and Lake Orion, Ohio, making my way down to Atlanta uh, and Charlotte, uh, D.C. Uh, yeah, just basically that. And that's just the first half of the year. After after the summer, I, I usually do a big family Griswold style uh, vacation slash tour where I book shows and uh, <laughs> the KOA circuit. Basically, <laughs> we play shows and then do some camping in between shows, uh, make my way back out west for some shows in the summer uh, and then probably come back through the uh, the Texas and Gulf states uh, later on in, in the fall. And so, yeah, and I actually got a chance to, to, to hang with you a little bit on the last little Griswold trip. It was, man. It was funny because that was after I just did about uh, two weeks out and then uh, rendezvoused with the fam down in Birmingham. And that's where we got caught up, which was awesome. But uh, uh, yeah, before I went down to Texas or uh, went down to Florida and had a handful of shows while we did our Thanksgiving down there, which was cool. And then Liam is is killing it on the drums, right? That that was a cool that was a cool moment. <laughs> yeah, my my son Liam is seventeen, and now he is just killing it. Yeah, he is. He's really coming to his own on the drums, and he's uh, he's investing in his own stuff. He's put, paying like two three hundred bucks for a, a cymbal. You know, he's, <laughs> he's he's putting hi hat cymbals on layaway, and you know, like picking out the gear that he wants for his style, his sound. And I I love it. I love seeing the passion set in. He's joining the family business, is he? He is. I couldn't talk him out of it, man. We thought we, we thought we had a uh, we thought we had a baseball scholarship, but uh, he he just like once he started playing drums and uh, it was kind. Of, I think it was after I had him play a festival with me after uh, in a ninth grade, and uh, and he signed his first autograph, and I think that was it. He was like, "Yeah, that's Hooked. Just, yeah, it's baseball's for the birds, dude. Go <laughs> play drums with my dad." <laughs> well, if you it, honestly, guitar player or drummer, if you're going to be a musician, I mean, that's the the, the those are the two that that's the quarterback and the, and, and the wide receiver or linebacker for sure. Uh huh. No, yeah, but it's man. great. It's great to see him get up there and jam with you. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. What's fun to watch is, is you as a dad. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Well, because uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tough, I'm a tough critic, you know, and as a band leader, you've just, I've had to be over the years, you know? Uh, and so I sometimes get caught feeling like, am I being overly critical because he's my kid or am I just like, just, just a stickler about things. But then I'll look over and I'll see my bandmates playing with him and I'll see them enjoying playing with him because of how good he is. Not just because he's my son, but like they're getting off on actually jamming with the kids. So I'm like, no, he must be holding his own. Maybe, maybe he really does have the goods. And I just, you know, uh, but I keep telling him, I'm like, Hey, listen, man, band leader, dad is way cooler than dad, dad. So just get your homework done, get all your chores done so we can go jam and I can be the band leader and we can hang out and be boys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> band leader. I don't think I've ever had that quote on my show. Band leader. Dad is better than dad dad <laughs> i'm gonna remember that that one's coming back at you at some point i'm just gonna throw, am i having a beer with band leader dad or is it what, what's what's going down here um so <laughs> so what's some of the best advice you've ever received oh man the best advice was um you know uh 
just limit the yes men in your life. You know, don't surround yourself with people that are just going to tell you what you want to hear. Find, find a source of accountability, find, uh, find true constructive criticism and, and be willing to accept it. Uh, but, but it's got to come from someone that you trust that has your best interest at heart. Um, and, and, and only do it because you want to get better. And the only way to get better is to learn what you don't have down just yet. Uh, and, and, and it took me way too many years to like really get that. Uh, I, I shied away from it for, for a long time. In fact, like my first few records, I, I kind of produced and or co-produced myself because I didn't want someone to come in and tell me uh, my song sucked. I just couldn't, I couldn't put myself up to that kind of uh, uh, rejection. You know, <laughs> Like Marty McFly, I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection. <laughs> I really, I just didn't think I could, you know? So I, I would be like, no, I got this. I know how it's supposed to sound. I'm good, I'm good. Uh, but then eventually realized like, no, man, you're just insecure and you need someone to come in and help you make it better you know and just trust that you have a, a role in this and a, and a good producer's got a role in this and i think that comes with any sort of collaborative uh thing in business you know like there's there's different job descriptions for a reason and and you kind of have to trust the process sometimes but uh yeah um you know, uh, follow your ins and outs, man. That's sort of an engineering term uh, when you get into the studio thing where you follow your, your signal, you follow your ins and outs, and it's very mechanical-sounding advice, but, like, it really is, it really comes down to that in life, you know, like, you get out what you put in and where you, where, what you, what, what you uh, put your time and attention on, that's what's going to resonate and, and grow and flourish uh, for better or worse, you know, so be, be careful how you're spending that energy and that time and, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I know you're no, you're, you're not shy on, on, uh, on awesome proverbial advice yourself. So I'm not sure how to take that one. <laughs> you know, no, you, you, you are. And, and I, even in the short time we've become closer friends, I've, I've, I've pulled uh, volumes of, of helpful insight from you, man. It's, it's what makes this friendship tick. I think. Well, I appreciate you brother. And we love you so much. We, we gotta, we gotta do this again. In fact, uh, we need to do a new show about uh, a transition step for you. So for any of those that, that are listening, that are fans of mine through uh, the project management Institute or have seen me speak, uh, we're now booking uh, Tony with us uh, as we, as we go about. So we can talk about dates, we can talk about events, but as you can tell, he's a, he's a very well-read, very articulate, incredible artist that has an incredible story to share. And we want to start bringing that to some of the business audiences because business is business. It doesn't matter if it's the music business or the software business. Uh, you'll have something to learn from, from Tony's journey. So we want to make sure that you guys uh, reach out to me via the show and, and we'll be happy to, to set up a conversation. But that's at Rick A. Morris on Twitter. LinkedIn is at Rick A. Morris. Uh, Facebook is Rick A. Morris as well. Or you can go to rsquareconsulting.com. Uh, Tony, any last words before we wrap up, brother? Uh, that's it, man. Thank you so much for the time and attention. And uh, yeah, man, folks out there, I appreciate you tuning in and I uh, hope to see you guys out there on, on the wide open road. Absolutely, brother. We'll talk soon. And uh, next week, we've got Rock Thomas, who's the uh, founder of the M1 Group, uh, which is a, uh, uh, a, a large coaching and accountability cl uh, group, but uh, really for very, very successful people. So Rock started that several years ago. Uh, I'm actually doing his uh, podcast and uh, he'll be joining us next week on the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful new year and we'll talk to you all next year right here on the Work-Life Balance. <music> 
Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 